Hello, everyone. I'm Blaine Gilmer. Welcome to this SEC morning report on Southeastern 14. Today is August 30th. It is a Wednesday. We are just a couple of days away from week one. All the SEC teams getting into action. Vanderbilt kicked it off against Hawaii in week zero, but now all the other SEC teams get to join in on the fun, and we are going to have coverage here for you. Chris Lee uh, does a daily show each and every day during the week with Blake Lovell, with Gavin Schoenwald, who played tight end at Vanderbilt. So you'll be able to, to catch up on that later in the day. Also, we have Jake Crane on for a weekly show that, that comes on and, and gives his expertise from the Daily Wire and Crane Company over there. Brian Edwards gives betting picks, guys, each and every week, a Vegas insider for decades. So you need to make sure that you are following this channel. Subscribe, like, turn on notifications, leave your comments, all those good things. Be involved in this community if you enjoy SEC sports and especially SEC football. We also do basketball and baseball news, but it is all about football season right now. We're going to kick off this morning report with talking about Aaron Anderson. Aaron Anderson is a transfer from Alabama to LSU, uh, a former five-star guy from Edna Carr High School, just dynamic player that Brian Kelly announced yesterday will be the kick returner and punt returner for LSU in 2023. Uh, Mike Denbrock had come out a couple of weeks ago during fall camp and said, hey, this is a guy we have to find ways to get the ball to. And, you know, now Brian Kelly is putting the ball in his hands in kickoff returns and punt returns. So you're talking right there probably between kickoff returns and punt returns, probably five, six touches a game there. And then you're going to add on top of that, I guarantee you they're going to find ways, whether it's on some kind of jet sweep or reverse or quick short passes, maybe even down the field passes, a, a good five, six attempts at least for him there a game. This is a guy who could get 10 touches a game for LSU. Uh, you know, he's, he's diminutive, but he's electrifying. He's a lightning in a bottle type player, five foot eight, 190 pounds, quick change of direction ability, uh, start-stop, can accelerate away from people with ease. So I think Aaron Anderson is a guy who just has to touch the ball for LSU, like Mike Denbrock says, and you can see that. Uh, LSU wasn't great in special teams last year, and this is going to give an added boost to the Tigers this year with Aaron Anderson coming on board. So uh, that, is a, that is a huge deal for LSU this morning and something that we definitely needed to talk about there. Um, he's not the only guy that is going to be an electrifying returner and also a guy that's dynamic and LSU is going to find different ways to get him the ball. There's other guys around the SEC that are electrifying players, guys that have to be used in Swiss Army knife utility type ways, guys that that – their team is going to find different ways, whether it's gadget plays, where it's lining them up in the backfield at receiver, uh, jet sweeps, you know, short passes, screen passes, 
in the return game. However, they're going to find ways to get them the football. And we thought we'd put some of those out there for you this morning, just looking around, um, finding different things that, that SEC teams are saying uh, coming out of fall camp. And there's some guys that, you know, on a couple of these big-time contenders that I think you've got to look for, um, especially at Alabama. Uh, we'll talk about two guys that I think aren't getting a, a whole lot of love that that probably need to for their playmaking ability. Kendrick Law and Emmanuel Henderson uh, are guys that are going to be returning kicks for Alabama. But when it comes down to it, uh, Kendrick Law is a guy that is going to He's been there now for a little bit at receiver, and I think he's going to be utilized in different ways. Emmanuel Henderson is a guy who played some running back in high school. He was listed as an athlete coming out. He's going to return kicks for Alabama as well, and I think you could see him utilized in a variety of ways. Uh, they continue to hear really good things coming about him at fall camp there that he makes plays and things of that nature. So look for those two guys to be used in a variety of ways for Alabama, staying inside the state of Alabama, and then moving over to the other side of the Iron Bowl. Uh, there would be Auburn. And Brian Batty is a guy who transferred over from South Florida. Dynamic kick returner. Uh, he's going to back up Jarquez Hunter at running back. I think they could. He's athletic enough. They could. They could put him out in the slot. They could put do him with some jet sweep type action. They could get him quick passes, things of that nature. I think you're going to see Hugh Freeze be creative as he always is inside of his offensive design. But Brian Batty is a guy who is going to be dangerous at kick returner for Auburn. Brian Batty has over 1,400 yards returning to his credit in his career from his days at South Florida. Has three returns for touchdowns to his credit as well. All those came in the 2021 season average 24.2 yards per return during his career. So that's a weapon that Auburn is going to have at their disposal. And like I said, he's a guy, uh, 5'8", 170, that can be used, uh, you know, a little bit of gadget gadgetry here and there, uh, running back, some slot receiver, some kick returner. So that is a weapon for Auburn. Anais Smith is another guy that came to mind. Jimbo Fisher at Texas A&M has talked endlessly about how much they love Anais Smith, not only on the field, but off the field, his leadership, things of that nature that he just kind of leads by example. And he's a guy that, that everybody looks to and knows can make plays. He's a guy that we've seen throughout his career line up at different positions for Texas A&M. I think he's a guy that he can return. He can return punts and kicks. He's a guy who can line up at receiver. Of course, he can also play running back. They're very confident, especially with some of the the youth that they have at running back. They're very confident being able to line him up and let him run the football a little bit. He didn't get as many carries over the, the last couple of years, uh, only got a total of 11 carries the last couple of years. But in 2020, in that COVID season, he got 49 rushing attempts on the year. So I think you'll see him probably get, you know, closer to maybe 15, 20 carries at least this year. And then, of course, we know what kind of threat he is uh, receiving the ball. He's a guy who can catch the screens. He can do different things like that. So I think Anaya Smith is a guy that you have to look at 
as a dynamic player, a difference maker for Texas A&M. And like I said, with um, with that youth, it's a running back position. I think he'll be used whether it's throwing it to him out of the backfield or lining him up uh, at running back and actually letting him uh, run it. He can run it in between the tackles or outside the tackles uh, from time to time as well. Uh, he's probably going to be the primary punt returner for Texas A&M, so another electrifying guy that I think needs to be looked at uh, very closely. People aren't looking at that Texas A&M wide receiving core as a, as a whole well enough, and I'll talk about that here in just a minute because I think that it's one of the more underrated groups in the entire SEC. Everybody knows about Barry and Brown. Barron Brown is an electrifying kick returner. Um, he can be used on on reverses, on on jet sweeps. He can be used as a deep threat. I think Liam Cohen is having that toy at his disposal. Liam Cohen is going to be so excited to find ways to use Barry and Brown this year. I think him, Devin Leary, that's just another target that Devin Leary has on top of Dane Key, on top of Tavian Robinson. But Barry and Brown is dangerous each and every time he touches the football. For Kentucky, and I think they're going to find as many ways possible to do that. Like I said, whether it's an end around or whether it's a short screen on the perimeter, as, as Cohen loves to get uh, defenses going side to side and then gashing them up the middle um, with the run on that kind of uh, you know outside zone to mid zone stuff right there with Ray Davis uh, as he comes over from Vanderbilt. Who, by the way, Vanderbilt in Week One. Rushed for 1.5 yards per carry against Hawaii. That's an offensive line that Ray Davis ran behind last year and had over a thousand yards rushing, primarily the same offensive line, which tells me, hey, Ray Davis was doing a lot of that work himself. And I think uh, with a retooled offensive line there at Kentucky, Ray Davis could be in for a 1500 type yard season over there because I just don't think he was getting as much help as he needed at Vanderbilt. They did not run the ball effectively at all against Hawaii. So I think it shows you what type of player Ray Davis is. But Barry and Brown's the topic there on as far as most electrifying players in the SEC. He's one of them. Speaking of Vanderbilt, we saw in week zero, Jaden McGowan is a guy who absolutely can turn a game on its head, whether it's kick return, uh, deep threat, being a guy who can come into the backfield, run the ball in the perimeter, run some jet sweeps and reverses. He made a diving catch down the field. I had a bold prediction for Vanderbilt this year that Jaden McGowan would be a guy that has over 1,500 all-purpose yards. He had 97 just on one kick return uh, in week zero. And then I think had another 72 yards receiving, had some yards rushing. So I think my, my bold prediction for Jaden McGowan is off to a nice start over there for Vanderbilt. There, Clark Lee is going to find a variety of ways to use him. I think he's a, a like I said, that Swiss Army knife, electrifying type player. And uh, Vanderbilt is going to find ways and needs to find ways to get him the ball as much as possible. Luther Burden, of course, fits this. For Missouri, they can use him as a Wildcat quarterback, which they've done plenty of times. He's a he's a electrifying punt returner. Uh, he's a guy who they're going to find more targets for this year, I believe, than they did his freshman year. He's got both quarterbacks, Brady Cook and Sam Horn, that are going to be 
finding ways to try to get him the football. So I think that's going to be a interesting dynamic there. Luther Burden, always a guy that you got to be on the look for, especially when Missouri is at home in Como. Uh, you know, Eli Drinkwitz, like I said, weird stuff happens in Como, and he tries to get uh, his playmakers the football, and I think he's going to do so even more to Luther Burden this year. And then a guy that nobody's really talking about hardly at all is Dominic Lovett. I know that he just kind of goes under the radar because there's Brock Bowers and, you know, all right, Carson Beck's the new quarterback and who's Georgia's running back going to be with the injury to Branson Robinson. But I'm telling you, Dominic Lovett, the leading receiver for Missouri a year ago, one of the most dynamic players in the entire league coming over to Georgia this is a guy that is going to make a huge splash at Georgia this year. He is going to be a problem, a matchup problem for linebackers, for safeties to be able to run with him, to be able to handle his his quick twitch ability. They're going to be able to, if they want to, with some of the running back questions and dinged up injuries they got they could line him up in the backfield and run him out from there to run a pass hand him the football he's going to return punts for georgia likely him or lad mcconkey i could see him returning kickoffs i mean dominant love it is a guy that kirby smart gets to add to his tool belt there uh to be able to use him and mike bobo and then also of course on special teams but i think you're just going to see him line up all over the field and they're going to have a lot of fun finding ways to stress defenses with the transfer from Missouri. Dominant love it in Athens. Um, first four games early on may be a little bit uh, vanilla, maybe not the South Carolina game, but I think you'll see later on in the season Georgia utilize dominant love it heavily in a lot of different ways. So those are some of the guys that I thought we'd highlight. Also, Dylan Sampson from Tennessee. I uh, don't want to don't want to move on without talking about him. He's a guy that I think before the year's over, you could see return kicks. He could be used a variety of ways uh, by Tennessee. He's going to be electrifying at running back. But those are the guys that are kind of the Swiss Army knife type players in the SEC that I thought it was worth highlighting because sometimes those type of guys don't get all the love that they need. But those guys are going to make a big difference on their team now. Jalen Milrow, uh, we've been saying it here. I've been saying it for a long time. I think he's going to end up being Alabama's quarterback. Uh, Paul Feinbaum comes out yesterday and thinks, says he thinks that Jalen Milrow is going to be Alabama's, Alabama's quarterback. And I think that what that would mean for Alabama is it just fits in more with Tommy Reese's comfortability. It also fits in more with the personnel that Alabama has this year. I think Alabama has really good players out at receiver. I don't think they have the elite of the elite that they've had the last couple of years, but I think they have guys that are fully capable of hurting you at any point in a football game, whether it's Isaiah Bond, whether it's Kobe Prentice, whether it's Ja'Cory Brooks, whether it's Benson, the the tr junior college transfer. Um, of course, they got Jermaine Burton back, and then they've got Kendrick Law and Emmanuel Henderson. I think when you talk about these guys, it's, it's a total sum of the parts is very, very impressive, but not one just total game breaker at receiver like Alabama has had in the past. 
And you just need a guy who, uh, in terms of throwing the ball, can distribute it to the different people. But Alabama's identity is going to be, okay, getting that big offensive line going downhill because they are big. I think they'll be better at run blocking than they are pass blocking. Okay, I don't think I don't think you've got, you know, just the most polished pass protectors on that offensive line. I think there is some depth issues at tackle when it comes to experience depth. Now, people say all the time, oh, they've got four and five stars stacked in there. That may be the case. But if you are a freshman in the two deep, that is troublesome for you on offensive line. Okay, Uh, and then Caden Proctor, who knows, he could end up starting for Alabama this year. We know he's a five-star. We know he's a blue-chip prospect. He's a guy that that everybody wanted. But I'm just telling you, just like at times Jaden Daniels was running for his life with those two freshman tackles at LSU uh, last year, they've kind of had a year to grow up. I think you'll see him, uh, Jaden Daniels be more protected. Jalen Milrow has the legs to be able to handle some of those breakdowns. He is electrifying. I think he can create. He's, but Nick Saban talked about how he looks more comfortable in the pocket. If Jalen Milrow can win from the pocket with the type of athleticism and explosive explosiveness that he has as a runner as well, it's going to make Alabama's offense much, much more dynamic. I think he's got a really, really strong arm accuracy is the question there. Can he just accurately distribute the ball to his playmakers there? Like I said, Bond, Law, Henderson, Brooks, Burton. I mean, Prentice, there's so many names out there on the perimeter that you can get the ball to. Um, I think they, they've got some talented tight ends uh, as well. They got Dupree coming over from Maryland, um, you know, I think that there's guys in the in the red zone that are going to be matchup problems. And we know that Alabama has really good running backs that are going to be able to carry the load and help out as well that you can kind of turn and hand the ball over to. Um, Amari Nyblack at tight end, guys, and down in the red zone, though, is a matchup problem. He's a big, big kid uh, that has kind of grown into his body a little bit. Six foot, six foot four, six foot five, depending on where you look, 235, 240 pounds, um, long arms can go up and high point the football. So that is going to be uh, an interesting thing for Alabama. But I think that Jalen Milrow being the guy for Alabama, which I have said for weeks now, I think he's going to be the guy. I think that would just make Alabama's offense more dynamic early on. I don't know that. Necessarily, it's an open and shut case that it's done, that Ty Simpson won't be turned to at some point if there are some struggles because, hey, you don't just get more accurate overnight. Um, You have to prove that you're able to do that. But I think Jalen Milrow with Tommy Reese and what they're wanting to do identity-wise and being able to to run the football um, and then have the design quarterback runs off of it, also some play-action passes, um, you know, get the RPO game going with a guy like Jalen Monroe, very dynamic for Alabama on paper. Their defense is going to be great. I don't think Alabama is going to have to score, uh, you know, up in the high, high numbers like they have uh, in the past couple of years with, with Bryce Young, with uh, Tua Tungavailoa, all that kind of stuff. I think you're going to look more, okay, can Jalen Monroe be a version of Jalen Hurts, but maybe even more dynamic in terms of speed and running the football because I think that Jalen Monroe is a game-breaker and probably the best running back on Alabama's team when it comes to 
natural instincts with the ball in his hand. So that is what that could mean for Alabama. A lot of people, you saw all the ESPN pundits, Kirk, Desmond, Pat McAfee, all these kind of guys, Reese Davis, all these guys pick Alabama to win the SEC. Listen, I think you got to get past LSU first. Uh, they're they're the, the champs of the West right now that are defending, and I think they did nothing but get better. So it's going to be an interesting matchup with them. I think Texas A&M is a really good team this year that is going to put it all together. And then, of course, uh, Georgia is has something to say with being the back-to-back national champions. And then, you know, they'll, they'll be waiting on uh, Alabama and Atlanta in my opinion, in that SEC championship game, if Alabama does indeed get there. And I don't think you can just pencil in anybody over Georgia after these last couple of seasons. But I do think if Jalen Milrow is, in fact, the quarterback for Alabama, it just brings a whole level, whole new level of uh, frustration for defenses because of his legs, because of uh, the the different the things that they can do. I just think the dynamic of how their receiver room, their, that receiver position is built, allows them to say, hey, we don't need to have a guy who's going to sit back there, you know, Peyton Manning style and just carve people up. We're going to have receivers that can win. We're going to have receivers that can get some separation. We need a guy who can just give them a chance to make a play and then also can make up for any kind of mistakes that maybe some of the the younger players on the offensive line make and erase some of those by with their with his legs by escaping pressures things of that nature i think jalen milro can do that guys make sure to like subscribe turn on notifications we really really would appreciate that helps us out a lot and we Love sharing this content with you. It's totally free. Just hit that thumbs up button, subscribe, uh, and leave your comments about today's SEC morning report here. Uh, for all the guys over at Southeastern 14 with Chris Lee, Blake Lovell, the entire team, thank you so much for tuning in. And we will catch you guys tomorrow to talk more SEC football as we are a couple of days from week one kicking off here excited to see some things uh you know with florida and south carolina playing excited to see uh just georgia how they look even against a a cupcake team you know how the new quarterback looks so there's all kinds of matchups and we're going to dive into some of the things that we want to see in week one out of each team tomorrow morning so Tune in with us on that, and then also make sure you tune into the daily show here in a couple hours with the guys here on the channel. So thank you so much for tuning in to Southeastern 14. I'm Blaine Gilmer, and we'll catch you guys next time.